And God said that to me, that, you know, he wants to come and he wants to impact our lives. You know, he wants to be real in our lives, but he has to be so careful. He is so majestic. And I think today we're going to see that in his word, how awesome and how powerful is our God. Sometimes we say, Lord, come in all of your power. You know what? We wouldn't be able to take it. We wouldn't be able to take it. He is an awesome God. He's powerful. He's beyond this weak flesh. He is spirit. Think about it. Today we're going to read all about the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the arrival of the Godhead in spirit to fill and fill man and show him and reveal to him in his heart the commandments of God. No longer by ten, uh, two stones carrying ten commandments, but written in the hearts of man. So we're going to read, if you turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And before Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, um, we had previously in Acts 1, 6, 7, for them to wait for the Lord. Uh, well, let me just go one second. I do need my glasses. Just stepping back before Acts chapter 2, verse 1. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, at this time are you restoring the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And he said to, to this, he was taken up as they were watching. And he basically said to them to go and wait and wait on the Lord. And it says in Acts 2 and verse 1, we'll read the scripts. We're going to read 2 to 1 to 13. So they'd been waiting. And when the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like that of a violent, rushing wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were staying and tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them and rested on each of them. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When the sound occurred, the multitude came together and was confused because each one of them heard in his own language and they were astounded and amazed, saying, look, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those who live in Mesopotamia, in Judea and Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, Figer and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own languages the magnificent acts of God. And they were all astounded for a second time and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this be? But some sneered and said, ah, they're just full of the new wine. So here we have the arrival 
of the Holy Spirit in a spectacular manner. They'd been waiting, and it says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully came, the Holy Spirit is sent. I'm going to speak on three words today that really God spoke to me, dropped into my heart last week when Keith was preaching on the verses before this. Because this is a story, a magnificent story of how it's an event. What a great event. It's the birth of the church here in Acts 2 and verse 1. The Holy Spirit's given men are no longer lacking the understanding of really knowing God because the Holy Spirit, you see, leads us in all the things of God. He leads us in truth. He opens our minds and our understanding. Before that, you can be a devout religious person, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but before the Holy Spirit comes into my life and regenerates me, am I born again? Possibly not. This is the beginning of the church. I'm a believer in Christ. You know, I was probably, I think I've told you, six, seven, or eight, I can't remember. I'll, I'll pitch for seven. Good number. In Ireland, I knelt down, I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was because of the love of the people in this camp, camp for young children. Um, <laughs> yeah. Children from poor means from all over the world gathered in a Christian camp in Ireland, sponsored by an American trust, Christian trust, who were against the things of the Spirit. In those days, you see, it was in the 60s. It was not, you know, we don't speak in tongues. That was back in Acts 2. Not now, no. But we preach, and they did preach the gospel, and they did a good job. I knelt down, I asked the Lord into my heart, Lord, I just, I want this, I ask you into my heart and life. And we went to this camp on my Younger brother Eric's here this morning, he was with me, yeah, all, all the way from Huddersfield. And, you know, we went every year. Mum would put us on the boat to Ireland from Liverpool on one end, and my older brother Alan would meet us at the other end. He was training in the ministry at the time. Uh, so we'd go each year, and it was a great holiday, but we met the Lord. And then we'd come back into a rough, tough estate in Halewood next to the Ford factory, and you had to fight to basically get through the day, through the week. And I remember thinking, Lord, I cannot. I want to live this life, Lord. I do. I remember going to Liverpool eight once. There was a tent crusade on. And I think one of my two brothers were running this tent crusade. And people were giving their lives to the Lord. You'd get uh, texts to remember and memory verses. I remember being stood at the bus stop and almost being mugged, you know, by these guys in Liverpool. And I thought... I can't live this life. I don't have the power to stop, you know, to, to allow the physical, if you like, to get in the way. And I thought, Lord, I can't do it. And I was in school. I must have been coming the end of junior school then, I guess, coming up to 10, 11 years of age uh, after wearing my badge, Jesus Saves. And I had the cock of the school asking me for a fight, bullying me. And I thought, you know what? That's it. Took my badge off. I'll meet you behind the bank. And we met for a fight and I hit him, blood everywhere. And that was the beginning of me trying to harden what I put into my heart, which was the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. But later on, when I was 18, the Holy Spirit came in such a manner, such as in Acts 2 1, right here. It was an awesome time where He came into my life and I knew the power of God, the ability to live the Christian life. And that's what this is about, you know. It's about 
the reason the Holy Spirit's given is that they might be witnesses, that they might have power. I lacked that power when I was a young man. I lacked that power because people had said, no, it's not for now. Don't expect all that. This was for the birth of the church. Well, I want to tell you it's not so. That's a big lie. It's for now. And it's for tomorrow and the day after. And if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter. He says, keep on being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Are we expectant this morning? They lay and they, they sat and they waited. 120 followers of Christ waited and prayed. They didn't know what they were really praying for. They didn't know what to expect. But we do. We know that God is awesome. There is mighty. There is spirit will empower us to be witnesses effective. And you know, some of us, it's kind of, years may have gone on and you become dry and you become ineffective, at least you feel ineffective. And it's only when the Holy Spirit comes afresh upon you that you'll know again. Don't forget how powerful he is and how awesome he is. You know, Pentecost, just a bit of a preamble, Shavuot, it was a feast of weeks, a Hebrew feast of weeks. And it represented a week of weeks, which is what? in maths a week of weeks 49 days which is sorry that's a that's a good part it is a good party we didn't have did, <laughs> didn't ex, didn't actually celebrate this, the, those seven weeks but they it was to away for the arrival of Pentecost how many sides are on a 50p piece without anybody know 12? Nine. Nine. Seven and three faces. So that's a 50p piece. Can you count that? One. Where are my other fingers? Two, three, four, five, six, and seven. So why do you think that is? Because seven weeks, a week of weeks, 49 days, and on the 50th day, you have Pentecost. It stands for also uh, the year of Jubilee where they would set the slaves free and debts would be made clean, wiped clean. Significant time. And what I want to preach today on is three words. Heaven, wind, and fire. You know, I'll come back, I'll go back a little bit earlier when I was in my 18s, 18s, before... You know, I uh, recommitted my life and found God. One of my favorite pop groups was called Earth, Wind and Fire. Does anybody know who they are? Earth, Wind and Fire, my. They're quite, quite famous worldwide. Um, allegedly, they used to practice Egyptology. They used to levitate, one of them at least on stage. And they were connecting with something which was not good, shall we say. And they drew their power from something, which was the earth, shall we say. But you know, we, I want to speak here about Pentecost. If we read back in 2 and verse 1, the day of Pentecost had fully arrived. They were all together in one place. Suddenly a violent wind, rushing wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues like flames of fire 
that were divided appeared to them and rested on them. A violent wind from heaven, not earth. This isn't an earthly religion. This is heaven birthed. You know, do we anticipate? Has anyone heard of Mike Palavachi? Very good guy, I like his testimony. Soul survivor. You need to watch his testimony about when he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he was a young man, and he came to this leader's house. He said, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he stood there, and he's testifying this. I think it was on TBN, about 8 o'clock, and he's just reaching out. He's expecting, Lord, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the leader's upstairs somewhere, busy or whatever, and uh, he keeps on pressing in. He said, Lord, just fill me with your Holy Spirit. And uh, the guy shouts down, I'll be down in a minute. He says, it's okay. He's arrived. <laughs> he knew the presence and the physical touch of God, the Holy Spirit. Why he was expecting, he was waiting. There was something happens, you know. It's a violent wind here. A violent wind that rushes in. Heaven commands it. It's tangible to know God. Tangible. It gives us that power. Power to be effective witnesses. It's not religion. But are we expectant? You know, here we are, the day of arrival. What arrivals in our life were? Has a parcel arrived yet? <laughs> How many of us are oh, waiting for a parcel to arrive? Or big events like a baby arriving. But do we wait and anticipate upon the Lord Jesus Christ that he will baptize us in his Holy Spirit and continue to empower us? Do we do that? Do we seek, Lord, it's not enough, Lord. I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yes, but Lord, I need to continually be baptized. I continually need your power, Lord, to, to go through and to be effective in you, to hear from you. Lord, let it be physical, Lord. Let it be a real walk with you. So I said three words. And if we look, if you want to turn with me, in Revelations 4, verse 2. I remember what I was saying about this dream or whatever it was I had this morning where, you know, here I am, it's like I'm this big being trying to help these small, tiny souls to get over their hurdles. Let's see a picture here of God in heaven. A place where God dwells, decrees and directs his purposes. Immediately I was in the spirit. This is 4 and verse 2. And there in heaven a throne was set. One was seated on the throne. And the one seated looked like jasper and carnelian stone. A rainbow that looked like emeralds surrounded the throne. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with gold crowns on their heads. From the th throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and thunder. Burning before the throne 
were seven fiery torches, which are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne was something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal. In the middle and around the throne were four living creatures, covered with eyes front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and they were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy Lord God the Almighty, who was and is and who is to come. Sight of heaven, how big is our God, how powerful is our God. So we ask, Lord, we want to know more of your power. Father, we're aware that you are far bigger, Lord, than we really understand. Father, sometimes we're like those early disciples, Lord, that we don't really know what we ask. Is this the time that you're going to restore your kingdom, the kingdom of Israel? Lord, they didn't really know about how powerful and supernatural you are, Lord. You sit in the heavens, you decree, you dwell, Lord. You show your purposes and your will, Lord. Lord, I pray this morning, Father, that we would have more of a glimpse of your power. We're aware, Lord, that we are weak, we're feeble in this body, Lord. And we won't know all of you, Lord, or comprehend all of you until we come, Lord, and we pour off this, this body, Lord. And we come into your heaven, Lord, what place where you've made for us. But Father, we do know that you are an awesome God, that you come here as you did in the day of Pentecost in a mighty rushing wind. It was awesome, Lord, it was powerful. And it shook the ground, Lord, and people around came and said, what was that? Lord, we ask for the same, Lord, anointing on these days. Lord, that we might know your power. Lord, we know we can't know all of it. We couldn't contain your power. But Lord, we don't want to be lukewarm. We don't want to be cold. We want to be hot for you. So Lord, open the gates of heaven. Decree, Lord, as you did in Pentecost. Send forth your spirit again and again as you have through generation to generation, Lord that we might invite you into our hearts, that we might be expectant, Lord, that we might not just accept the status quo, but that we might anticipate your filling again and again so that we might run and do your bidding, Lord. In Jesus' name. You know, I remember when I was a young Christian again, moving on probably, um, my mid-twenties and I was sat in James Street and I was deep in thought reading I think it was George Muller the head of George Muller who, who, who opened uh, for the orphanages and fed them and kept them and I was deep in thought in God and if you've been on the underground back then anyway there was this sound 
coming. As the train would arrive, it was like it says here in Acts. It's like a rushing wind, if you see, and then you get the light. And for a minute, I thought, because you're in a young, you're a young Christian, you're, you're, you're really looking for God and expecting God. And I really sensed, and I feel that's what this is like. It says it sounded like a roaring wind. And that, for me, is probably close to it. You know, our expectancy is so important, what we expect. And when you're in a, an I-expectant uh, state of alert, then God can speak and does speak, you know. And he speaks, and it, it, we've heard it this morning, um, where God speaks to us and says, you know, he convicts us and says, I want you to go and tell that person. He puts a weight on our hearts. He speaks to us. As we're more expectant in God for this Holy Spirit, for that part of him that quickens us, empowers us to be witnesses, as we're more open and alert, expect, expecting he will give us his presence, his word, his command, his wind. You know, David says it, if you turn to Psalm 18, just to give you another picture of this wind of God. We're looking at Psalm 18, verse 6. I called to the Lord in my distress. This is a Psalm of David. And I cried to my God for help from his temple. He heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. Then the earth shook and quaked. The foundations of the mountains trembled. They shook because he burned with anger. Smoke rose from his nostrils and consuming fire from his mouth. Coals were set ablaze by it. He parted the heavens and came down. A dark cloud beneath his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew soaring on the wings of the wind. The picture of God, when you think of Pentecost, this soar, this wind, the Godhead coming down, this is the time, it's the decree that the Holy Spirit is given, that the church is brought into a regenerated state where they really understand and know the commands of God, the written on their hearts. He is a powerful God. And just like my dream or picture this morning of, you know, he comes from the future. He knows our future. And he knows what lays ahead of us. And he knows he has to be careful with us. He can't come. You know, we can't see God face to face. We would not survive. It said Moses was the only prophet that saw God face to face. But even then, he had to veil his true presence. He's such a powerful, awesome God. You know, it blows away all the fact that I'm struggling, oh, life's tough, oh, I've got this challenge, I've got that. If you only realise, just like that film in Only I Shrunk the Kids and they're trying to get back from the garden, back to the back kitchen, I think, and they're trying to get through the garden. And that's us almost in life sometimes. Little tiny beings trying to get through all these hurdles. Our God is there, he's a big God. And in the end of the film, I think his father sees them miraculously and he picks them up and he takes them back to the machine and he does the reverse action on it and brings them back to their size. 
And I just think it's, it's laughable because that's how God is with us in a way. We, we're in a small, it's a small path, it's a small short life that we have to walk through. And he's a big, big God. And we're a tiny, tiny being. And it was like I was saying the other week about the eagle or the bird of prey that was flying high in the sky that was looking down can see the small rodents. How much more can God see us in our times and see our struggles? We need to be expectant and know that he is big. He's all capable. And we needn't fear. So God rides on the wind as he did that day in Pentecost. You know when we go back to Acts 2 and verse 1, 120 people were gathered seeking God on that morning of Pentecost. Must have been a big house, probably right in the bang in the center of Jerusalem. In verse, uh, well, verse 5, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound occurred, the multitude came together and was confused. Okay, it talks about each one hearing God speak in their own language. How did they come together? Well, in Jerusalem, this sound, this shaking, this visitation from God, it didn't just come, you know, as a quiet, Nice little window, what was that? You know, it was kind of the neighborhood knew to come together. The multitude came together. And you will see next week on the verses to come. But this visitation of God, you know, when God visits our life in such a way and, and does and can, then your neighbor's going to be affected. It's going to affect your neighborhood. People are going to say, what was that? What was that? I'm not about, sometimes, yes, if, a physical shaking almost. We had it back in 1978 when a whole neighborhood in Halewood, well, not a whole neighborhood, but quite a lot in the neighborhood, came to know God because God visited my family at the time. You know, and my sisters and my brothers were saved and we, we met with the Holy Spirit and it was a powerful time. And God hasn't finished. He's still doing it today. Whole families old neighborhoods. And today, I believe there's quite a church in, in uh, Harewood, quite a number of people uh, that come to know God. You know, and uh, the legacy of when God moves is you'll know about it because your neighbors and your neighborhood will be affected. It won't just be your life that God shakes, but it'll be those around you. You'll see it. I think in Les's family we've seen that, you know. When God touches one, he touches others. So let's be expectant of him. So we move on to fire. In Matthew 3.11 it says, And John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water for repentance. But the one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I'm not worthy to take off his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. 
And that's what we see here. There's a, there's a fire involved. There's a cleansing. When God comes and he baptizes in the Holy Spirit, there's a cleansing, a refiner's fire, some call it. Begins to clean us up, clean out the rubbish. You know, on here, it's a physical fire. It's like flames divided come upon them. And there's times when God comes upon you, and some of you have had that experience, where you'll feel the fire of God. The fire of God. You know I like my fires. <laughs> I'm only studying because of a fire, really. <laughs> I chopped a big tree down, it was 60 foot tall, big conifer, brought it into my garden, stripped it back of all its leaves. The big, long 12 foot trunks and branches lay in my garden, back in my garden, by the shed for two years, dead, died anyway. I had my chimney and I thought, you know, I used to like put my logs on the fire, sitting out. And then one day I ran out of small logs, so I brought one of the big logs over, pushed it on the chimney. Wife calls me, Dave, we're going out shopping, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rain came down, took the log off the fire, left it on the patio, let it die. The next day, come to the log, I thought, it's dead. It rained overnight, it's fine. A dozen of other these sized logs in the corner of the garage puts the log against there, fine. Eleven o'clock that night, two days later, walking to bed, and it was a massive beacon. Fifty-four flames. I thought, can't call the fire brigade. I rushed out with a hose pipe and I doused this down, and the fire guys come into the garden and said, I said, it was out, it was dead, it was complete. I knew it was dead, I was safe to put against the logs. He said, ah. He said, see this here, look, there's a nail, and that nail remained red hot. And although you think that wood was out and dead, that nail remained red hot. And you know what happened? The wind would come during all of that day, and it would blow on that red hot nail, and it ignited this wet 12-foot log and not just that, it ignited the logs around it and it became a beacon. Now I was, I will, I'll admit it, I was arguing with God. Why should I come back to church? Why, Lord, why should I come back to church? And he said, you remember the fire? That was, I said to him, I said, Lord, you know what? It was very cruel what you did to me. In 1994, you took me off the fire. It was just raging. And I'll here, you will remember it. We were in... Um, Toronto I think it was and the Holy Spirit was falling and it was people were burning up and shaking and the power of God was coming down and I remember standing there not feeling a thing writing my journal and I said Lord you were cruel you took me off the fire when it was just raging you know all the doors slammed shut and it was just not happening and you know I just feel like you took me off the fire when it was really raging you know, and um, he said, do you remember the fire in my garden? Do you remember the fire? I said, yes. He says, you took that log off the fire. Well, I took you off the fire. And why did you do that? Well, I don't like to waste wood. I'll use that another time. And God said to me, that's why, because I'm taking you off for another time. And I'm going to do this. And this is what he said. He says, well, before we get to that, because I'm going to finish shortly, 
I've jumped the gun a bit. If you look at Amos 3 and verse 7. Someone shared, you know, it's not for you to know the times, the precise times. I, I believe that's true. But we do know the seasons. And this is what God was saying to me. And now I felt I needed to share this. I've shared it with many of you already. But today God said to me, I want you to share this about the fire. Because he shows me things physically and then they happen in the spirit. I've had this happening over the last few months. And it says in Amos 3.7, Indeed, the Lord does nothing without revealing his counsel to his servants, the prophets. So God sits in heaven. He's awesome and he's powerful. And he is sovereign and he goes about doing what he commands. But he says here that he doesn't do anything without revealing it first. He spoke to the disciples and said, go and wait before the Holy Spirit was given. And God was showing me, he said, this fire and this beacon, he said, I'm going to do it again. There's going to be a move of God again and it's going to be awesome. And you need to get back to church and you need to allow the Holy Spirit to blow on you. You think you're dead. I said, Lord, I'm dead. I, I've got nothing to offer. Totally dead. And he said, good. That's how it is. You see, wood won't burn if it's still wet or if it's, it's got sap, is it? It needs to have a certain degree of where it's dead and let the fire catch it. And that nail, the cross, that Jesus Christ is, doesn't die, he's still red hot in our lives if we've accepted him into our life. And what God said to me is, is there is a fire coming and it's a beacon, and it will be a beacon, beacon for all around. And he said this to me, and then he took hold of my hands to confirm that physically. I want you to know that. Because I said, why have you taken hold of my hands, Lord? What's that about? And he says, it's to confirm all that we spoke about the fire is going to happen. And that's real, folks. I'm not making this up. He showed me in order to say, it's what I'm going to do. Because you can just come along to church week by week, and you know your expectations can diminish, and you just become... Another churchgoer. That's not what it's about. The church is alive. It's not going to church. We are the church. And so for me, I want us to raise our expectations today. The day of Pentecost was a great event. But we've, many in this room have seen great visitations of God's Holy Spirit. When you were first saved, when you were first baptized of the Holy Spirit, I want you to raise your expectations. Keith said... Last week, let's be expectant. Let's be expectant this week. Our God is an awesome God. He's a big God, a big, big God. We can't know him in all his fullness in this shell, in these clothes. But we can know his Holy Spirit to a measure that he, he, he knows that we can sustain. He won't give us more than we ask. But he wants to empower us, to empower us so that we're effective. And he spoke that to me, and he's given many words to me since then. And he's shown me things physically before they happen spiritually. And I'm saying to you, there is a fire. There is another fire that's coming, another visitation on this, in this country, that this generation will see it, that you will know it's not mere words that we preach or speak, that our God is a big, big God. He is awesome. He rides the wind, it said. The earth shakes, 
beneath him. He's a powerful, powerful God. And isn't it a privilege that we know him? Let's not be content with the mediocre because God is not mediocre. Shall we stand?